All right, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Daily Secret Show. It is currently 839, uh, October 7th, here in Muncie Central. Extremely early. Um, it is a little early, but I've got some more energy today. I'm sitting here with the Red Bull. Red Bull? Uh, is that just the is that the regular can? That, is that what I got you no, this morning? No, you, you got me the... Uh, the eight ounce can. The eight ounce can. So it's a, it's a small energy pack right to your face. Um, I'm drinking the uh, Monster Super Sport. Um, Red Dog. It's called Red Dog. Um, it's like a hydration water with like caffeine in it. It's got caffeine. And it says like superior hydration, natural flavoring, vitamin B3, B6. Well, I don't know what a BCAAS is, but it's got those two, and it has, like, a little weight next to it. So I'm assuming, like, if you drink this before you work out, you're set. But I'm not working out today. You know, I had me a nice little breakfast this morning as well. I had some Smoky Links and some cinnamon bread. Smoky Links. Yeah. <laughs> are you serious? Yeah. Breakfast of the champions. And breakfast of the champions. You always are eating that cinnamon toast. I know. Always so. eating the cinnamon toast. And Con Cannon's the one and only. Um, this one's for Father Shimada out there. Um on the topic of music, last time we played Kanye. This one's just a little bit of relaxing background music. Just got Homer Simpson jamming out in his car. Jamming out in his car. That's the background. But speaking of music, dude, Super Bowl halftime show. Oh, that is like, very... like, let's just like take a second to understand how good this year's halftime show is really going to be. Uh, even if you're not a fan of, of rap, you can respect it. You know what I mean? Like, last year's was good. You had the weekend. Maybe not a lot of... Old folks out there know who The weekend is. Just listen to this lineup. Snoop Dogg, Dr. Dre, Eminem, Mary J. Blige, Kendrick Lamar. That That's like almost a star lineup. It's almost goaded. Almost going to be the best halftime show I think I've ever been alive for. And my dad, of course, was, I'm not going to be watching the halftime show. My dad's not a fan of rap. He was like, I would have much rather have been like ACDC or something. I was like, Dad, that might have been like doable when all of them were still alive, but... Now, not to be, like, morbid here, but they're not still alive. <laughs> and he goes, well, some of them are. And I was like, I mean, yeah, I mean, maybe in the future they could do one, like, next year. But I doubt that they're uh, they're going to be able to do too many of them. I heard, like, one of their band members, by the way, is, like, going deaf from doing so many, like, loud shows, rock, yeah. like, shows, dude. I believe it. I already feel like I... I'm going deaf from listening to uh, all this music. Okay, the topic of today's podcast is going to be the economic collapses in the United States history. There are three massive ones. Two of the most known are the Great Depression and the Great Recession. I'm sure you've heard of both. And the one we are now currently living through, COVID-19. We are going to get into when, how, why these things happened. Were they preventable? Were they predictable? In my opinion, I believe so. I think they were pretty predictable when... I mean, a bubble can only get so big till it bursts. Yep. And we are going to get into our last subject is donut economics, and we will wrap everything up there. Starting off with the Great Depression, just want to say it started in October of 1929. I mean, things definitely did lead up to it. We'll get into that in a second. But that's the main date that we can really take away, October 1929. Um, it ended at the start of World War II due to the government giving people uh, a meaning to work, I guess, to make money, big economic growth. Positions, Our soldiers needed stuff. Positions needed to be filled. Oh, yeah. Uh, factory uh, factory jobs were, were thriving. 
Um, but what caused, I mean, everyone blames the stock market crash for the Great Depression, which is, I mean, I, I guess understandable. But I think when every Great Recession that we've had, everything tends to crash at least once. Um, so let's just start off. October 18th was the, um, how would you say this? The what? The, the first big downturn? The first big downturn of the stock market ever. Yeah. Uh, October 18th, 1929. Um, six days later, on October 24th, is what they had called Black Thursday, when a record number of 12.8 million shares were traded that's, through the New York Stock Exchange. That's crazy. Which, at the time, was that was a very, very large number. Um, just following five days later, another record 16.4 million shares were traded. Like I said earlier, when a bubble gets so big, I mean, it's it's got to burst eventually. Mm-hmm. Another four days later, September third, uh, the Dow National Average hits a record of three hundred and eighty-one points. At the time, that was that was unheard, unheard of. of. Yeah, um, and that that really brought a lot of eyes into the stock market. Brought a lot of speculation. People started to run to their banks and borrow money to invest. Yeah. Hashtag anyone can invest. Anybody can invest. Borrow money that you don't have from a broker to invest. And then, was it New York? The New York Stock Exchange actually rose or fell 5 to 6% in just one day because the banks had borrowed so much money and there was nowhere left for it to go. And then, where people really ran into trouble is... The banks, actually, what money people had in the banks, the banks were seeing this this big uprise in the market, taking people's money, get this, taking people's money and investing it themselves. And then that's that's problematic for many reasons. But when the market crashed and you lost all your money, you're like, oh, I got that money in the bank. Wrong. The people from the banks took your money and was like, hmm. Let's invest it so we can make money off their money. But in reality, they lost your money on top of the money you already lost in the market. Okay. So what really like had a major impact on uh, the Great Depression even starting, um, like I said, people blame the stock market. But I think stock market crashes and most of our um, recessions or, or downturns, if you will, is drought, overproduction, bank failure, stock speculation, and consumer debt. Um, obviously if you're already in debt and there's just all these goods and materials waiting in all these massive factories and no one to buy, yeah. the value of it is no, it's not going to go up. It's only going to drop just diminishing value of everything over time. Yeah. And then, I mean, we, we can't necessarily, I mean, Hoover, uh, he was the president and, you know, I think he tried to do a few things to try and get everything back on track, but he, he was really hands off about it when he could have stepped in. When we talk about the, can the government really affect um, these like downturns, and they, they really can. We'll get into that more with COVID because it really helped uh, key, during COVID. The key ingredient they were missing during all of this is called regulation. Regulation, at, definitely. At the time, all these new ideas, and it was all so new, they, didn't, they never thought of the possible outcomes or the possible bad outcomes, mm-hmm. and there was no way to regulate the market or the banks. Mm-hmm. Um, so like couldn't regulate, regulate the banks spending your money in the bank. I still can't get over that. And then 
we get uh was it roosevelt came along with uh the new deals yes and that is a huge like a huge thing that helped everybody out that was struggling financially through this whole depression like what roosevelt did for everyone during this time everyone like no wonder he got elected like you know what i mean like he was he was talking all this big game came in actually showed out i mean what more could you ask for in a president not not to like you know give him a big head here but thank you roosevelt for the new deals because you really came through and saved the day for some of these people um i mean who i mean people like gave hoover a really bad rap i mean people lived in in shacks in like little neighborhoods but like built shacks out of like plywood and they called it hoovervilles like imagine if you were like the president like i'd feel pretty hurt like i would feel hoover blankets were literally newspapers like that's tough um but 11,000 banks failed during the Great Depression. Unemployment was down, 20, down 25%. The average income was down 40%, people. This is huge. Alrighty, folks. Now we're going to be talking about the Great Recession. Um, it started this in around mid-December of 2007 to June of 2009. It's considered the biggest and longest economical like downturn. Um, since the Great Depression, uh, Great Depression is still the king as of this far, of biggest and longest and worst. Um, and it was due to mainly one big thing, which was um, the uh, burst in the housing market. Um, and that was due to what was it, subprime mortgage um, like funds. Which are basically mortgage bonds meant for people with such a low credit score. It's almost, it's essentially impossible for them to ever pay that sort of money back. Um, which basically led to a lot of these CEOs and CODs partnering with other companies to lend money to people that they can't pay back for their own financial gain. Exactly. And the, and the interest on that was so much that this is how those these companies made their money was by lending out so much money to these people that they knew they couldn't pay them back. And with the interest rate being as high as it was, it literally just led to everybody, you know, going broke. I mean, hashtag your folks are broke. Um, deregulation and no government uh, intervention to fact check or enforce uh, any standards led to this burst. Um, the government uh, and big businesses, uh, personally, I think are to blame. I mean, Bush was president, but he, he wasn't. He, it wasn't to blame. He got handed more or less a steaming pile of dog crap and had to do what he could. I mean, if you're handed something that's broken, you can't necessarily like piece it back together automatically. Um, so, you know, whoever gives Bush a bad rap for that, you know, honestly, maybe maybe look at who was um, who was president before um, all, all this happened because it was just a, a huge, I want to say, buildup in our economy but having such an exponent exponentially like large growth can lead to a whole bunch of cracks and fractures within uh the economy which we'll get into with donut economics and how this could have helped with the great depression great recession and covid and could the government have, have helped this like we always talk about like we're trying to talk about today could the government have stepped in and and done something to make this a little bit better and soften the blow uh yes but the thing is, the government, again, was pretty hands-off with this whole thing and 
didn't really try and get involved because, you know, there's, we watched, um, what was that, that Ted talk in class or that video in class. And there's some government people that just turned a blind eye to it. And they're like, Oh, it's not happening because they were making money off of it too. It's almost impossible to say that it like that you couldn't see it right in front of your eyes. Cause as the housing market was starting to boom and people were going to take out all these, all these loans and investing in the stock market, literally putting large portions of their, of their um, life savings into the stock market. As the housing market began to grow and prices for everything began to skyrocket and people can no longer afford, it was almost certain that at some point it was going to collapse. Yeah, and like like we were talking about, like, is it predictable with the Great Depression? You, you could see that, honestly, that was predictable. You could see the booming that was happening, but with every huge exponential growth, like I talk about, there's hairline fractures within the economy, and too many of those will collapse it. And along with the Great Recession, but everything's booming. Everything's going great. No, like if you keep growing exponentially, say you build a uh, a house or a huge structure, like in Florida, the one that collapsed, and the concrete base has fractures in it. Your your if your base isn't strong enough to hold up what you're building, it's gonna collapse. If if you've already went to the bank and let's say you take out a loan for ten thousand dollars and you plan to invest all of that in the stock market. Interestingly enough, at this time, October 9th, 2007, the Dow Jones uh, Industrial Average exceeded 14,000 points for the first time ever. That is, that's big news. That gets people excited. That makes people want to invest. Everybody wants it. Over the course of the next 18 months, the Dow lost half of its value, falling to 6,500 points. That, that's enough to make almost anyone go broke. Alrighty, ladies and gentlemen, today we're going to be talking about what we have talked about already, all these economical downfalls and the one we're living through currently right now, COVID-19, everybody hates it, nobody likes it, why would you like it? But the the one, how this differs from kind of the rest um, in its own, I guess, unique way you could say, is it wasn't necessarily... A downfall due to um, you there, know a stock market crash or, or there anything. wasn't there wasn't any bubble that was bursted. So yeah, to speak. Like, yeah, like there there was nothing that really could have prepared anybody for what happened. Um, it was it's a virus. I mean, it, it, people were getting sick. People shifted their thoughts away from you know the people, money standpoint. People to, lost jobs. I mean, there's yeah, it, and it's all due to this this virus that you know unfortunately came about um but people kind of shifted their ideas from um you know their day-to-day life to just getting through every single day alive you know what i mean so um i think a big role that plays in with what we're going through right now is like i said many people lost jobs and the government was forced to have to support these people and nothing's free no nothing's free we know that this money comes from somewhere and we have to pay it back somehow yep uh that would probably explain the reason for high gas prices right now high everything right now yeah because like you know people like for a long time i mean for a long period of time people were just out of work you know what i mean people were just like at home, not essential. You couldn't do anything. Yeah, you just stay at home. I unfortunately, uh, my um, my mom that works, my dad doesn't work. Um, her job, uh, Nestle apparently is looked at as essential. I don't know how essential chocolate milk is, but 
um, they were looked at as essential. Um, and that was very fortunate for us. I'm very glad they were. My brother still had his job because he works there with my mom as well. Um, and I'm sure it's something that we can all kind of relate to. Um, and of course, teachers did their best they could um, since they are essential um, at keeping up, doing like online schooling. Everything just kind of sh had to ship to like a home home environment to try and keep people safe, trying because people, people were getting sick. People were dying left and right. I mean, it, it's sad. It really is, honestly. Um, uh, it's, and people still are. I mean, I'm not trying to like downplay it right now. I mean, I feel like we're you know, nearing, nearing a, a curve here, hopefully to try and get, you know, vaccines to everybody. Slowly coming back to reality. Yeah. Slowly, slowly, but surely we will, we will get there. At least we're not stuck at home, you know, every single day, like people, when it first started. In my eyes, people are back to shopping a lot more, especially with Christmas coming up. Oh, yeah. Granted, there will be a lot more online shopping. Big Christmas. But I think I'm seeing a lot more people going back and spending their money how they used to. Yep. And um, as these jobs, I mean, we have now that things are getting back to normal, big surplus of jobs. I mean, literally drive anywhere in Muncie, and I guarantee you'll see a hiring sign unless it's like, you know, maybe like a wall server or something like huge. But like any fast food, any food industry that you want to go to, whether they need just a busser or a, up to a manager, like people need like help everywhere. So I think the jobs are out there. People are slowly getting the back how it was, but I think that is, I think that's one of our key, our key steps in getting through all of this is I think people need to get back to work. People need to want to have a reason to work, a reason to wake up in the morning and want to provide themselves with something. And I mean, as we're reaching the debt ceiling, I mean, yeah, I mean, people, we, the government had to spend so much money trying to get people we, money. We so have to pay this money. Broke. We have to pay this money back somehow. And if people just keep sitting on their couch collecting checks, how yeah. are we ever going to get back to how it was? And the government, they they've spent so much money um, with within our budget um, for COVID nineteen relief uh, through the presidents that COVID went through, uh, Donald Trump and Joe Biden now. Um, that like they've spent um, money helping people that you know couldn't go work that weren't looked at as essential that couldn't go make their money they were receiving everybody was receiving um, money actually even if you were essential my parents and my mom still got a check um, and got money for me too as well um, but that put us closer and closer to this debt ceiling that the United States has that they try and you know follow so there's some sort of regulation on how much you're spending because if there's no regulation on how much they're spending, you know, things tend to get a little crazy. So that's that's a big thing we're approaching here. Um, we might, you know, already be there. I, I didn't look at anything yesterday or today. I don't know if the voting's gone through or not, but you know, hopefully, hopefully everyone gets their gets their stuff together, so to speak, um, to try and just uh, get a little bit higher. Because I've I've looked at the pros and cons of they're not they're not raising it, and uh, that's the world we don't want to be in. And then they're talking about meeting some way, somewhere in the middle. Um, it may be trying to, you know, raise it, but only by a little bit. That'll just bring us to another debate on if we need to raise it once again. All right. Now we were actually wondering if you can predict these economical downturns and also talking about how the government can um, get involved. And we kind of saw that with uh, just talking about COVID actually. Um, how the government stepped in and provided money to people that, you know, didn't have jobs or lost their jobs because they weren't considered uh, essential. 
but also, um, you know, are these, are these, um, predictable and based on looking at these, um, like just the charts of, of the big ex, uh, exponential growth, you can kind of tell when things are about to like go wrong. I mean, then again, you could always be wrong, but you can always kind of tell when something's going too good or something seems to be a little off, kind of like with the great recession, how the, the banks and stuff were handing out these, these loans left and right to people when in reality, you know, smarter people knew like that's, <clears throat> that's not right. Um, and they shouldn't be doing that. Um, so you can kind of tell when something's going a little uh, too good for too long. Uh, with, with the way our economy goes, always wanting an expon exponential growth, it's bound to the burst at some point. That's why we always try and look at donut economics and why we should start using that, which um, we'll get into in just a second. But um, another way, getting back to how the government stepped in, uh, the government can step in and help people out um, with, uh, I believe it was in the Great Depression, Roosevelt all these new deal acts that's so much um money for people i mean it was a surplus for jobs and big activities and plans for people to try and uh, get up you know off their back for losing so much money in you know 1929 um but overall i i do believe the governments can step in and they do step in uh, sometimes and you know the hands-off presidents tend to not but if you get a good president they will step in and try and help people out um, was shown with COVID. Um, and you can, in my opinion, predict when these um, downfalls are going to happen. As If you can see something going too good for too too long, uh, something's bound to happen. But, you know, with COVID, I guess you couldn't really tell in that situation just for the fact that nobody knew it was really going to hit. So, All right, ladies and gentlemen, on our last subject of today's podcast, we're going to be talking about donut economics uh, whether they could have prevented all of these crises in the United States history. In my personal opinion, I think COVID-19 was almost unavoidable. Unpredictable. Unpredictable and unavoidable because the only really way to get around COVID at this point is to just, everyone just needs to stay safe and clean. Yeah, and, wash your hands, see what you got to do, wear a mask. Improve your hygiene. And with the Great Recession and Great Depression, it was a little different considering. It was, yeah, it was more based on, on economy and, and money, so to speak, less than survival and a sickness. Um, but, I mean, it all ties in together because that sickness did overall drop. Um, the, the virus did drop people's spending and, and stuff like that. But I feel like donut economics really could have helped with the Great Depression and Great Recession due to the fact that the way it was described – in the, in the um, TED Talk that we watch is um, this big exponential growth that everyone looks for in our economy puts um, hairline fractures, uh, figuratively speaking, in our economy. And if you keep building upon an unstable base, it's going to fall like a, like a giant little game of what, what's that game like? Jenga. Jenga, yeah. Your, your economy is going to fall like the Jenga Tower. Uh, and that's it's kind of what it did in the Great Recession and Great Depression in a way. Um, we just wanted a big exponential growth, and it tend to you know fall or, or pop as the Great Recession referred to it as. Um, and I feel like if we find a happy medium to where we grow exponentially, and then find find the st the point where we're like mm, maybe that's a little too much, and then we just grow linear from there and kind of flatline out with maybe just a little bit of an incline to adjust for whatever inflation is coming our way. 
and overall just deal with you know what we have to deal with in that time i feel like that's that's the best way to use donut economics and i feel like it's a it's a really good resource that we should be using and thinking about um rather than um, trying to keep growing exponentially and then having these these falls because our generations went through two of them like we don't remember the first one but I don't want to have to go through four more in my entire life period. I mean, that's just a lot of hardship that puts everyone in our generation through. I don't, I don't want to be broke. So I feel like donut economics overall could really help with um, stable, stabilizing our economy um, and making it a really strong, powerful economy. All right. Thanks everybody for listening to the podcast. It was great having you today. Make sure you like, comment, subscribe, share with your friends. Do what you got to do. Listen to it 500 times if you want to. I feel like me and Connor are amazing hosts. I'll catch you guys next time.